Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is call versus job. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, let's cut right to the heart of things. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be called as a pastor? Well, first of all, in the ELCA, our denomination, mm-hmm. it's not just pastors that are called, it's any rostered leader. Okay. So that's deacons and pastors, those of us who are part of either the roster of word and sacrament or the roster of word and service can be called to serve an organization or a congregation. Okay. And are we talking like a formal version of the word job or is it meaning something else to be called? Yes. Okay. (laughs) All of those things. What are we talking about then? What does it mean to be called? Well, taking a step back and saying that if we're talking about what does it mean to feel a call or perceive a call to ministry or call to a particular service, then when we talk about that, oftentimes people are talking about a sense or an idea of a particular kind of a longing, a feel of a pull, a sense of a spiritual tug. Okay towards a particular role in their life, a particular sense of a ministry or something that they are supposed to do. And oftentimes this is connected with a sense of spirituality. So it can be, I feel called to serve as a doctor or to serve in ministry, to serve people who are in XYZ situation, but there's some kind of a sense that there's something that is beyond ourselves, something that is beyond perhaps even description, that is pulling us towards a certain way of living, a certain way of serving, a certain way of acting in the world, that is pulling us into a certain set of behaviors and service. And particularly for those with religious backgrounds and religious sense about them, to be called into ministry is a sense of terminology that we use. There's a connection with being called by God to serve God's people. So let's talk about you specifically. How do you feel like you were called? Because we've gone over our backgrounds and you did not grow up with a religious background. So when did you feel this particular spiritual tug? That's a good question. And for me, a sense of that tug came when I went to seminary. Well, that seems late. (laughs) I know. Originally, I went to seminary for a different degree program than one to become a pastor. Originally, I went in order to study pastoral care and counseling with the intention to go on to pursue a marriage and family therapy license with a particular focus on drama therapy, which is the use of therapeutic techniques based in theater for healing methods. So I was going to use a seminary degree as a springboard into that marriage and family therapy license. And my tug, that sense of call, 
came once I was in the community and in a Christian community and serving in different places with other people of faith. And I saw that I didn't have to know everything and I didn't have to understand it all. I didn't have to have it all figured out before I started to try to be the kind of leader that God would need for me to be in this kind of work. Have you ever questioned that call? Absolutely. Yeah? Oh, yeah. A thousand times. I think that all of us do who are in ministry. And this part of call, this part of the conversation where we're talking about this sense of individual call, and it is so hard to explain to other people because Mm -hmm. it is something that is so deeply personal and so hard to quantify and qualify. And there are absolutely days and times where I think every single one of us questions the call and doubts ourself and our abilities and our sense of whether or not we're doing the right thing or whether we're good enough or whether we are effective enough for any of those pieces. In seminary, when in our candidacy, we've talked about this previously in other episodes, mm-hmm. how we believe in a trifold sense of call validation, the personal call, the call of God, and then the call of the people, that it takes all three of them to find yourself at ordination within our denomination. So the sense of personal call is proven by your ability to make it all the way through seminary and kind of stick through some of those challenges and some of those personal, really hard moments of coming up against yourself and coming up against these challenges and this doubt and sticking through and sticking around. So what happens then if somebody decides to stop being a pastor? Does that mean the call wasn't strong enough, for lack of a better term? I wouldn't say that. I don't think that it's a sense of failure at all when someone either ends a call or steps away from call. So one of the things is, is that we also use the term call for a specific time of service to a specific place or congregation. Mm -hmm. So we have this larger word that we talk about a call to ministry or a sense of call to particular service. But then there's also, once you're ordained, you are called to a particular community or called to a particular congregation. And that's when we receive a letter of call. Still not calling it a job. Still not calling it a job. Okay. So the letter of call comes in and it is something that is, again, not a job or a job description, but as close as we get to one. Okay. And within that letter of call are agreements that we will pray for one another. We will work together, that the pastor has responsibilities for word and sacrament, that a deacon has responsibilities for word and service. And Within that are inherent responsibilities for challenging one another and inherent responsibilities for pushing the envelope, so to speak. So there are going to be moments and times when there is conflict, when there are disagreements between congregation and rostered leaders. Mm -hmm. And so this is where it becomes different than a job. Okay. Where it becomes a call. 
because if it is a job, you don't spend your time pushing and challenging and sometimes making hard and painful systemic changes within an environment because they'll fire you. Mm -hmm. But if it is a call, then you aren't necessarily fireable. You can be disciplined. Okay. But you can't just be fired in the same way. And so it gives a responsibility to rostered leaders to push and challenge communities in their spiritual life in a different way. I got to ask a question in the middle of this. Yeah. If you can only be disciplined, how do you ever decide this call is done for lack? Like the call to the congregation itself. And this is where we go back to that question that you had asked about if people quit or if something comes to an end. Okay. Does it mean that someone wasn't called correctly or did someone discern the call incorrectly? I think what's important to recognize is that there comes a point in time where there's a natural end to things. There's a natural end to relationship or to seasons whether that is a pastoral relationship with a single community or whether that is a time where a deacon is with a congregation or whether that is a time when a ministry is flourishing and needs to then lie fallow or whether it's the time when someone is feeling called to participate in a specific ministry, that it's okay for things to change, to not be for forever. And so... Letters of call come, and then eventually there comes an end of when that relationship is good and healthy. And then that letter of call is released. Oh, that's the specific wording, huh? It's released? I think it comes to an end. I would use the term released. Okay. But the letter of call comes to an end. That's such a fascinating difference between that particular, I'm going to use the word job just to distinguish it from other vocations. I think that there are definitely times when letters of call have been terminated. Okay. Or someone has resigned their letter of call. And there are certainly times when you release your letter of call. And then there are ceremonies I think of leaving the two congregations that I have previously left. As much as there is an installation service in our books, mm -hmm. there is a service to not uninstall, but in some ways to uninstall a pastor. So during the installation service, you are given a Bible and you are walked to the font and you are given charge over the sacraments and you are given charge over the word. And... In the final service, you give those things back to the community. And then the words in the service are something like, the mantle of responsibility for this community has been removed from your shoulders. And it's that imagery of the stole mm -hmm. that pastors wear, that that mantle has been removed, that that yoke is no longer the pastor's to bear. And it returns to the community for the next pastor to receive it and to bear it and to journey alongside. And that is healthy and good and beautiful. 
not a failure in any way. Calls are something that come and go and shift and flow. And so I think in North America, we oftentimes presume that success is something that is only about longevity or numbers. We try to make it all be about how we can look at numbers to define success. And that's not the only thing that success really is. Sometimes a successful call is one that ends really beautifully. Well, and we look at something that is sustained as successful as well, right? Mm -hmm. The goal is to be, I don't know, in your job used to be for decades, but that certainly changed. Absolutely. Okay. Given what we've been talking about and how this is a call, how do you decide to either further your call or move your call other places? This is not your first congregation. Mm -hmm. Is that just a, a natural thing either based on where you are in your life age-wise or where you want to move to or other factors? Otherwise, it seems to me that people would stay at a call for as long as their lifetime is. It's really difficult actually to figure that out. And I think that is something that differs by denomination. Oh yeah, I'm used to the Catholics that will move you on like every seven years. Exactly. So some denominations are calling bodies and some are sending bodies. So Catholics and Methodists are sending bodies. So they pick up and they send their priests and pastors to different places. Mm -hmm. And the congregations don't have a say mm -hmm. in who they receive. We are a calling body. So we call our pastors and deacons. And that means that we get some say. There's a little bit of like a matchmaking situation that happens in our denomination. And there's a mutual discernment of call that happens. And once a rostered leader is in a call, if it's an open-ended call, mm -hmm. it's a little bit the rostered leader's opportunity to kind of discern when it's time to put their paperwork in and begin interviewing and contemplating moving. But hopefully it's done with a gentleness and an ear for when the congregation is at a point in time where it might be the right time to begin thinking about moving on. But it's very difficult to figure that out. Some congregations have a very slow turn around. Mm -hmm. Some congregations have pastors that stick around for a very long time. Some congregations shift their pastors fairly frequently. It really depends upon the culture of the congregation itself and what's going on within a particular moment in time within history of a congregation as well. You've only served out here in the Pacific Northwest, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. I'm curious if there is a regional aspect to that as well, if certain parts of the country tend to keep pastors longer than others or where the turnover may or may not be. I think it also makes a difference between congregations who, smaller congregations that tend to have first call pastors mm -hmm. because they are smaller and they can only afford pastors who have a couple of years of experience. Sure. They don't keep pastors for very long because your average length of first call is two to four years. Oh, okay. 
And then average length of second call is maybe a little longer than that. And then third call gets a little longer than that, right? So it kind of shifts around a little bit here and there. So I think that in the Midwest, some of those small towns, they turn their pastors over pretty quickly. But the two congregations that I served prior to arriving here in Portland, mm -hmm. the pastors had both served down in Medford. He had served for 34 years and up north he had served for 32. Wow. So they were very long pastorates previous to my arrival. But now that's changing mm -hmm. and shifting. You never know. Interesting. Do you see this call process moving in a particular way for the future? Have you seen with, I don't know what they're calling it, this, the clergy shortage? Yeah, that and one. And the roster leader shortage? Mm -hmm. Yeah. With the roster leader shortage, as they're kind of seeing it now, and it's an interesting perspective because I don't know that there's that much of a shortage of rostered leaders, but then again, I'm not working at a Senate level. Mm -hmm. But there is a shortage of rostered leaders who look like the rostered leaders of the 1980s. Sure. The rostered leaders that are coming out of seminary now are very young. They are very diverse. There are a lot of women. There are a lot of queer individuals. They're very progressive. And that might be harder for congregations who are much more accustomed to more conservative, mm -hmm. masculine, with a spouse, perhaps with children, kind of an image for their pastor. And so that is getting harder and harder for people to find. But we have literally hundreds, if not thousands, of congregations across the country who are going to be looking for pastors, and we do not have the rostered leaders to be able to fill all of those positions. That's fascinating. So what do you do when you come across somebody who may be in your congregation who says to you, I feel like I'm called? What do you tell them? Congratulations. Okay. That's so exciting. I'm so hopeful for you. Let's start talking. Let's get you doing things. Let's find out if this is really where you want to go and what you want to do and spend time finding the pathways to a yes. I won't dissuade anyone from ministry. It's not an easy path. And especially as we head into this continuing changing church, it's not going to be an easy path. It's hard and challenging work and Economically, it's not necessarily the kindest pathway, and it can be exhausting and not very secure, especially depending upon who you are as you step into this. Mm -hmm. And if someone feels a call, then I'm going to give them all the support that they want, need, and celebrate with them as they find their way to an ordination, if that's where they're longing to be. I mean, how delightful and awesome and inspiring has it been to watch Deacon Bonnie get to her ordination in these years and the ministry that she has done because this congregation has stood by her for so long and helped her and believed in her all the way to a yes. 
It's awesome. It's wonderful. But it also reminds me that if I'm remembering correctly, when we talked about seminary, you can have this call, you can go through seminary and graduate, but you can still not be called. And that seems to be the most heartbreaking thing ever. Mm -hmm. What do you do? I waited for a year and slept on people's couches and worked as a church secretary. I'm guessing you never stopped feeling called, or is that another time of questioning? I mean, I'm sure there were days when I did not feel called. <laughs> <laughs> but I kept believing that I shouldn't give up yet, and that there would eventually be a place for me. And I know there are people who've waited a lot longer than that to find the right church to call them I'm for sure. their ordination. Mm -hmm. And then once you get ordained, it doesn't necessarily mean that you stay in that call for long. And then what and how? And it's not, it's, it's messy sometimes and it's hard, but it's also beautiful. And there are moments that are so precious. So it's worth it. Before we started doing this podcast, when I thought of somebody who was a pastor, and I know a fair number of pastors, mm -hmm. but you really just think about it as somebody who is preaching on Sundays and doing those routine pastorly things. But the more that we've talked about this, there are so many other paths. Be you go into the synod end of things, whether you become a chaplain, whether you go back to seminary and teach, it's, mm -hmm. it's a far more varied call and mm -hmm. a job in many ways than I, I would have guessed originally. And for that, thank you for opening my <laughs> eyes to that. <laughs> but all of this is going to lead me to my last question of, in the middle of this, in the hardest times, you're probably not questioning your call, but do you ever long for a Joe job? Just want to go <laughs> sling some coffee, bag some groceries. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I would be lying if I didn't say yes. It would be delightful to have a job with regular hours where you just clock in, do the task, clock out, don't worry about the task anymore, mm -hmm. figure out what it's like to not be on call 24-7, 365, have a weekend, mm -hmm. have more than one day off a week. It's just novel ideas, mm -hmm. but I don't know that I would know how to have a job like that. I mean, I've been doing this since I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. This has been half of my lifetime. My entire professional life has been this. So I don't know that I would know how to do something other than this. Is there one thing that you would sorely miss if for whatever reason you had to give this up? Would it be marrying people? Would it be baptisms? Would it be holding somebody in, in their grief? Because I'm pretty sure making bulletins is not what you would miss. <laughs> so many of these things, you know, holding someone in their grief I could do outside of ministry. I feel like I would likely end up in the funeral industry if I were to leave ministry. That would probably be an area that I would look towards moving towards mm -hmm. would be funeral and cemetery work. And so I don't think I would lose that. That would probably be where I would head. So likely baptisms, children's sermons. Yeah. Yeah. Giving communion. Really? But I could, I could volunteer 
and do that at a congregation. Fascinating. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about a call versus a job. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining along. If you have a question or a comment or want to reach out and talk with us, we would love to hear from you at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.